What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast that's presented by the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. I am one of your hosts here every single week. My name is Mitch Oliver, and with me, as always, I have... I'm Boozy. Today, we are welcoming a longtime friend and former guest of the show, Dylan Hershuk. For those of you who, are, who aren't yet familiar with Dylan, here are a few things to know. In 2016, Dylan founded the Saskatchewan-based film production company, Versa Films, which has gone on to produce music videos for bands like Angel Maker, Census Fail, and Spirit Box, some of which have resulted in winning a Saskatchewan Independent Film Award and three back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back Saskatchewan music video back awards to back. for his work. Got the drink flowing in you. Yeah. Uh, Dylan has not only been a great friend of mine for nearly a decade, but uh, he's also one of my biggest sources of inspiration and someone who kind of got me on my path of wanting to make my own films in which he was the director of photography on our short film, The Druid's Hand. He has amassed nearly 12 million views for his music video work, but now he is on his own journey to bring his first narrative short film to life. The film is Our Last Day as Kids, and I'm fortunate enough to be collaborating with Dylan on this adventure as a producer, alongside my sister Tara Oliver and former host of the show, Kyle Zervinsky, who's also known for the best ass in all of podcasting. Preach. Welcome to the Terror Table. We are so happy to have you back here. Hi, Dylan. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, and today we're, we're going to be talking a little bit about Dylan's project, Our Last Day as Kids. And we're also going to be capping things off with an in-depth discussion on Dylan's film pick of the week, Green Room. Uh, so we will be doing all that. And also, we will also be sharing some, uh, some quick little reviews on some things that we've seen recently, because I know Boozy and I, myself, we've seen a lot. Uh, but before we get into all that, let's start talking about you, Dylan, my beautiful blue-haired baby boy. What is the story of our last day as kids? <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, thank you for, for that uh, incredible intro. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me here. Um, Our Last Day as Kids is going to be a coming-of-age short film, and it's going to kind of tell two stories. So on one end, it's going to be about uh, this boy and this girl that are just kind of like misfit teens in the emo scene of the mid-2000s, just trying to like figure themselves out. And, and uh, they feel like they're the only people that really, really get each other and stuff. And they're going to be kind of struggling with like their own mental health issues. Uh, she's struggling with her sexuality and, and the films about that, them kind of finding themselves. And then on the other end of it all, uh, the, the boy character, he is kind of a representation of, of me. And, and uh, it's inspired by my teenage years, um, watching my brother's metalcore band kind of fall apart. I was super like obsessed with my brother's band growing up. Um, I'm sure every time you saw me at a show, Mitch, you know, I was there with the camera watching my brothers and like, I would tell all my friends to go to their shows. I'd be on their MySpace, like sending invites to random strangers and stuff. And I wanted so badly to be a part of what they were doing. And I wasn't musical and had no reason to be a part of it. And so I kind of forced my way in with uh, my video camera. And so I went to all their shows with that camcorder and stuff. And my dream at the time was for them to become like the next, the Devil Wears Prada. And the film is about this kid brother who like wants nothing more than for his brother's bands to succeed. He slowly kind of watches what happens to a lot of like local bands. They kind of fizzle out and uh, it explores like the heartbreak of that, but also like the idea of like a little brother having to like let go of the influence of his older brothers and kind of forge his own path. Yeah, yeah, no, and very well said. And it sounds like, you know, I know just from experience of 
myself and Jesse Sawitzki trying to explain our short film to people when we started out, it's like, well, that sounds like a lot to pack into a short film. Like, how the hell are you guys planning on doing this? I think it's important to note that uh, as of right now, the film is going to be nearly a half an hour. Mm -hmm. Obviously, uh, if things were to go on to be successful enough or we were able to get enough funding, this thing is ripe for a feature length. Uh, so I know that that's something that's not entirely out of the discussion, but it's mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be a really uh, emotional, like like we were saying, Dylan. Let's just let's just call it what it is. We've been saying, kick, contribute to our Kickstarter so that we can make emo Ladybird. Yeah, that's that's exactly <laughs> that's the the best way we can pitch it is I want to make something that feels like it has the heart of Ladybird, but it takes place in the the emo scene of the the MySpace era. So. Yeah, yeah, emo ladybird is exactly what we're trying to make. And you're right, like we my hope is to make a feature out of this eventually. Uh of course if we somehow got crazy amounts of donations, we would pivot and make a feature film, but the goal is with this short film to kind of pitch it to make the feature film after. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I know uh Boozy, you and I were both emo kids. Big time. <laughs> we were emo yeah. boys. I I didn't <laughs> I think yeah okay so the like my first memory of dylan uh like whenever i think of dylan hershuk i see the the red deep v the deep v neck the red one oh, um, i love the deep v on top of one of the speakers at Mazfest, just yeah. like rocking out to palms to the sky and recording with one hand <laughs> throwing the horns up with the other yeah i always i always remember oh, dylan as being like the guy at the front running around with the camera and i would oh, you know like you try not to get in his way or hit yeah. him because i understand like it's like don't touch that guy <laughs> yeah and he was the one who was responsible for like you know i was in uh, a couple local bands a part of this very scene like a, a, dylan's brothers palm, their band palms the sky we played with frequently um and it makes sense now hearing so much about how you would like try and get your friends out because it was always crazy when palms to the sky would play it'd be like how do they have this big mm -hmm. of a following in saskatoon and uh i'm sure it helps having the street crew like dylan around rounding up rounding up the kids and uh it always made for really fun energetic shows uh so yeah that that's really cool but uh boozy when when was the first time you wore girl jeans uh you know what that's a good question because it was definitely grade oh it was this grade 10 i think mm. it's grade 10 and i i couldn't find jeans that were flexible enough in the men's section but also were cool colors so oh, you, see i never you guys had confidence hey oh man <laughs> i went over and i pointed at this pair of like baby blue skinny jeans that were like flexible yep. and i was like give me those so, uh, give me that <laughs> Give anyway <laughs> give me that anyway they were like the most comfortable pants ever but i now understand the plight of uh women's pockets being so small what what is that it's the most arbitrarily random thing ever mm -hmm. decoration have... only yeah like you guys <laughs> you guys don't carry phones like what the fuck is this see this is why fanny packs are coming back yeah. honestly i think the best use of those pants because the pockets are so like short is you can feed birds easier with them you can have your seed <laughs> at the ready that makes total sense <laughs> yeah i never thought of it that point. way yeah. there, there it is crack the code <laughs> figured it out that's uh why. dylan i have a question sure what is your favorite dove wars prada song Ooh, that is a good question can i look at my phone really quick 
Of course you can. can. I scroll and, through. and while you're doing that, do you guys remember? I think it was called BVTV. It, they used to. I know on... the guy. You do. Okay. So you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You were like Saskatoon's version of that for the longest time. <laughs> it was just uh-huh. like if you wanted good quality uh, video of, of mm. bands at a smaller venue, it was, it was Dylan's videos. Yeah. Dylan but... was like the, the emo hate five six exactly that's <laughs> what is that i don't know what that is oh hey, that's the hardcore yeah, hey, yeah. Six, they they record lots of like uh knocked loose videos bear tooth kublacon shit like Kublai that Khan, yeah oh, like, cool you know actually um, when i say bear tooth that's like off brand for them but i remember that they did do some yeah they do like the kerrang and the pit type stuff yeah that's that's very much what dylan's videos i would describe as and yeah. you know i don't know how many i'm gonna sue you dylan i don't know how many of those videos i am in <laughs> yeah no it's true yeah you're you're Dude. done buddy yeah i never asked a single crowd member oh my god um, <laughs> thank you yeah i actually met i worked with a guy when i was shooting the true north video and he runs caliber tv and they sometimes work with BVTV or whatever. Like he shot a lot of those videos and stuff. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, no way. I used to watch all your videos. I, I think that like stuff like that for anyone who doesn't really know what we're talking about is just better quality live videos uh, online like YouTube because there's so many like flip phone videos. YouTube mm-hmm. has kept, a, kept a, a, a log of 12 to 13 years of awful videos on here. Anyway, you get these better quality ones. And I honestly think it's a great service to have overall online. Like I look for these channels and kind of follow them religiously because oh. they're always getting the best quality, you know, yeah. Yeah. especially in a time when tours still aren't a big thing right now mm-hmm. yeah no i remember like i used to like i would get dylan to come out when my band was playing just get you and on the guest list or whatever just because it's like that's our way of you know hopefully getting some videos that we can have to remember those times by mm-hmm. and it never happened and it never happened <laughs> <laughs> he turned us and, down every time yeah and he was always busy that day <laughs> no. he was always I... at bonanza for some reason yeah <laughs> what's up bonanza i i the the last video on that channel i think is a video you got me to do i can't remember if you were in that band or if it was your friend's band but there's like a steady steady hands or something yeah i was in that band yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's the the final video i have on that channel oh weird, weird. yeah that yeah. was that was fun those was fun times that was when i was going back to my emo roots like so i was Hell in yeah. rapture and ashes which was our metalcore band and progressive metal band and then joined decisions made who is that pop punk band uh doing that all that kind of you know four-year strong shit that was really hot around that time and then as soon as i joined it was like well wait mitch is in the band now so we need to be sad so we became mm. steady hands and we played emo music nice <laughs> so thanks for that, that. you're welcome yeah. you really eeyore the band hey i'm the eeyore <laughs> of the music scene that's for sure i had to retire the channel because i just knew we were at peak so. that's true yeah uh, yeah that entirely checks out there is a very fun palms to the sky video on there somewhere where they had streamers and balloons and it was a lot of fun that was a nice video i will say that mm. sounds funky i think yeah i think that was maz fest i'm I pretty think. sure it was that i just remember it being a lot of fun because no like one it, else had I, done that i think it was just toilet paper i think they just started whipping toilet paper through the was crowd. it toilet paper okay maybe it's so. less romantic yeah it's, it's that's the like, punk toilet paper yeah. it was covered in shit no, it wasn't. <laughs> Devil's Prada song, the only one that is like uh, looking through them, like they're all 
great and the the two first albums were really really special to me the song that like sticks out to me right now especially like thinking, big wiggly style no i'm thinking earlier than that uh that. reptar king of the ozone yeah everyone had that t-shirt yeah um the song i had that great. one yeah i love rugrats so yeah you know what's that. your favorite rugrats character uh dill me baby no, dill. dill yeah <laughs> You know, a lot of but not really, weird. but not really. It kind of sucks, especially in the first movie. Uh, so I'm just gonna go with Tommy because Tommy's bad. Uh, Chucky's pretty sick too. I used to have a giant Chucky doll, and after I saw Child's Play, I was scared of my Chucky doll, even though it was Rugrats Chucky. Damn. Uh, I, I just want to say, 32 a, years old. <laughs> on a quick note, uh, speaking of Devil Wears Prada, they just put out an album, and it's pretty good. Is it? Yeah. Is it still like more on the Rocky side? yeah they're they've got a new route but i think it's actually like it's a good transition for them i wasn't sh- i wasn't sure if they were going to be more rocky again because they just released zombie 2 and that was kind of heavy wasn't it yeah that's i feel like that's their like alter Throwback. ego yeah that's like their side project of themselves yeah i've been out of the devil wears Prada game for a long time but i remember uh when the song line of your hands came on my like shuffle and I'm guessing you're saying, is that like a Rocky Devil Wears Prada? Because I was like, damn, this is actually really good. Yeah, they. it's I'm not it's saying not, that they were It's not like before, butt rock, but, but it's yeah. like, it's fun. It's post hardcore now. Looking at the last, the Devil Wears Prada I have on my phone is from 2010. I can't believe it's that old. Oh, already. damn. The zombie EP. Oh, dude, the act is actually like, that was their last yeah, album. Is that's actually the one I'm really talking good. about. Yeah, the act, yeah, the is, act really is super good. I, I checked out the singles and stuff. and they were Maybe you're a fake emo. I'm this guy's a phony <laughs> look at this fucking phony because i don't because i didn't continue following the devil's product for the rest of my life they were like one of my favorite bands in high school though so you're right I'm they were the same for me and then i quit listening to them forever and like a couple months ago i got back into them yeah so i'm just a couple months behind boozy so leave me alone right. <laughs> i'm just i'm leaving breadcrumbs for you yeah they're gonna okay. be in the movie i promise you hopefully that's hopefully. the goal so speaking of which, like, let's talk a little bit about the music that uh, that inspires this film. Like, uh, Dylan, you've you frequently have talked about how this is like the the film that's set in the MySpace era. Why is that era important to this story? And what are like some of the bands and memories that you have that connect you to that time that make you want to share it through a story? Yeah, I think it's just so important for this story because it is like, to me, that was such like a lightning in a bottle moment in my life like yeah. to me that was like peak internet when internet was actually about like connecting and finding new things and like i don't know you like figure boobs on webcam yeah you know you <laughs> you gotta actually like figure out who you were through the yeah. internet and now it's yeah. just about like trying to show off and follow trends and stuff and now i just sound like an old yeah, person ba- well no but back in the day you, you used to have to try to find that perfect cam version of like mike on limewire to download exactly (laughs) now everyone just has access to it exactly fucking movies are streaming two weeks after they're out yeah like i watched like mike yesterday and (laughs) (laughs) didn't have the joy i used to have (laughs) (laughs) look at this guy he's quick this guy's quick (laughs) um look at this dude yeah it was just like such a special time for me. And I know it was a special time for a lot of people. Um, And because the story is like a reflection of like my youth, like I couldn't picture doing it just a few years later 
or even like pre-internet like there was something special about like i remember finding bands online and telling my friends and like you're almost like collecting bands right you wanted to like come to school and tell people about the bands that your friends wouldn't know yeah and, that and was then- your thanos's glove yeah exactly like, well i got a static lullaby on the one yeah have I you heard a drop that gorgeous <laughs> <laughs> exactly and i always won yeah uh, <laughs> um i am inevitable <laughs> and yeah it was just yeah a very special time for me and i feel like i haven't seen it in film yet mm-hmm. and i haven't seen this story told in film and i don't know yeah like like you're saying, like Drop Dead Gorgeous, a Stack Lullaby, like Norma Jean, like all that stuff just felt so like pivotal and like, I don't know, I just want to put that on. I want to put someone like me who grew up like feeling really weird as a teenager and like finding his people in the scene and like feeling more normal among my peers. I want to put yeah. that on screen. Well, it's, I, you know, it's a, it's a thing. It's a type of uh, subject that's captured briefly in green room which is one of the movies that we're talking about today which i'm sure was chosen for this exact reason uh but then you know i like i'm actually not sure don't if you're a big fan of like slc punk but like that was a big movie for me growing up even though i wasn't like a hardcore punk that way like i was such a mm-hmm. poser like i just had it all on my mp3 player i was obsessed with like all the fat rec bands um no effects lag wagon all that kind of shit i was i was so into it rancid and seeing like that culture represented on screen made me want to be a part of it and Mm -hmm. that's something that you don't see and it's something you know I've always thought about that too like when when are we going to get to the day where we're going to see the weird trends that we all fell into as teenagers when are we going to get to see like are we going to be those old people at a movie theater with our kids god heaven forbid if I ever spawn offspring Mitch is pregnant (laughs) no but like you know what I mean like to to see that era come to life on screen it's just it hasn't happened yet and it's you know you know what's really sick you don't even have to wait to have kids because if you fund this film exactly you're gonna see it right away unless great unless it takes longer than nine months nine months a lot can happen in that time oh no Um, (laughs) <laughs> Going on from what Mitch is saying, though, is 100% true is we don't maybe it's we're at that age now where we need our nostalgia trip to feel yep. good about ourselves. But there hasn't been any film that really focuses on that. And I think it is important to have a kind those kind of films because it really does capture a certain energy that was in that scene that, may, you know, maybe a lot of other places they didn't get to see the same bands or whatever. But I feel like that energy was transferred everywhere with with just how the scene was and how connected it was you know there people would play shows in like garages if you know a venue got canceled or whatever like mm-hmm. i went to see a a show because about, like a three of the headliners uh, dropped off or something because of a snowstorm i watched a band play in like a change room you know of, of like a venue were they changing the whole time no, no they weren't but they started to like immediately after the set was over but yeah no that this is a very important scene for people who you know i'm sure it's one of those things that it feels so intimate and small uh because you know we would be the ones who would go and see these bands in these garages or these small venues or in people's basements but then you find out about like for example in saskatoon we don't have a hot topic uh you then go to a hot topic and 
it's like, oh, this culture is everywhere and we're not as yeah. unique as we think we are. And that's mm -hmm. part of the magic of it, though. Like, it's, yeah, I, I love it. It feels like this niche, small thing yeah. that's only happening where you're at, but it's it, happening in every little community. Exactly. And everyone thinks that they're being, so, like, they don't want, they, they're trying to defy all norms and pave their own path and be unique and wild and have the off-color hair, skinny jeans and the checkered hats or checkered shirts Dylan's and stuff like, like shrinking that. in his chair the belts <laughs> but then when you put everyone in one room it's like you all you all us motherfuckers look the same <laughs> hey you the... leave our belts alone our, did you ever have studded... a bullet belt i didn't have a bullet belt i had one of those like checker colored ones mm -hmm. like avenge sevenfold ones, ones. You, let's talk a little bit about the bands like we were saying though about how you would always win in terms of like having the new fun bands to listen to like i remember i heard alexis on fire counterparts and number them uh, a static lullaby lip gloss and letdown and a tray you ain't love grand all on the same day i was in oh, grade nice. eight and i remember that being like that day just morphed my brain forever because prior to that i was just like obsessed with blink 182 and i went through like a weird metallica and pantera phase which i i still like pantera fucking sucks but like I, <laughs> I'll just take any chance I get to dunk on Pantera. Um, yeah. So now listen to me shit on Pantera, and then now praise my Chemical Romance. But Dylan, what are the what are the bands that really got you into into all this? Like, let, let's hit us with your top five scene bands from that era. Uh, like when I was like my dad was always into like rock music and stuff, so we grew up with just a lot of rock music and a lot of what, sad stuff can you can you like give us specifics like we would listen to like a lot of like the cure i know mitch doesn't like queen but we listen to a lot of queen in my house and stuff the like cure that. is kind of depressing That's... Yeah, i cure... love the cure yeah the cure and... is much better than queen yeah the cure is like <laughs> yeah they don't write songs about fucking riding a bicycle exactly don't think the only good thing to come <laughs> out of queen <laughs> is that they inspired my chemical romance to write the black parade yeah. i no, love that you're like implied Ruth. that the cure does have a bicycle song Don't <laughs> it's just a metaphor uh <laughs> yeah so like stuff like that and uh i i remember in grade three i was super obsessed with some 41 like i went into like pop punk and stuff like that and like some 41 simple plan that kind of stuff was you like watching old people fall was yeah. it does this look infected? Was that your jam? Uh, I started with All Killer No Filler. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's but great. Does This Look Infected was even better. And then uh, Chuck is my favorite. Chuck is so good. And people do oh. not give it the respect it deserves. Yeah, that it's, album's it's really dark. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's it's really good. Um, but yeah, I was obsessed with Sum 41. I ended up doing singing In Too Deep at my talent show in grade three. I can picture it. I was in... Uh, is there a video of this? Apparently, my friend's mom has it, but I've never seen it, so I don't. I don't know. But uh, I was item. in. I was in swimming trunks with little goggles and stuff on stage. As oh, you were into. Hey, we need this. Video. I was into deep, uh, and uh, yeah, I was obsessed with them. And then it was like I don't know, grade six, I think, that my brother was starting to like listen to a lot of metal and stuff, and I wasn't there yet, and. Uh, he bought me my Chemical Romances album, uh, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. Uh, he hated my Chemical Romance, or at least he says he did. And he gave it to me to transition me into cooler, more depressing music. 
and I remember get, like listening to that album front to back over and over again and just like obsessing with it and uh that's when all my hair started growing longer and uh I wanted to be Gerard Way you know so that's how I got into like emo and stuff and then obviously like once you start going into that and like getting into the use and stuff you hear a little bit of screaming then you kind of want to hear more screaming then you're listening to bands that just scream and then it gets heavier and heavier and heavier um bands that i listened to a lot in high school would be like the devil Wars prada uh drop dead gorgeous hmm, a stack lullaby was like one of my favorite bands growing up so that is weird that you mentioned them because i didn't know oh, yeah. that many people knew about them yeah well they were like my favorite album by them you can't find anywhere because even like they've taken it off spotify it's like their oldest one but uh, lip gloss oh, yeah. and let down changed the game hell yeah i'm yeah. super into that album um yeah like i like all of theirs till they're self-titled i like their self-titled too but the the rattlesnake one didn't do it so much for me yeah that was just a not as good dead, dead and divine oh yeah dead and divine that i don't even know how i was forgetting but dead and divine was like the band for me so dylan how how often do you would you say that you burnt yourself while straightening your hair like once Man. a week it's so weird. It's like you've read the script for the film because you mentioned the skinny jeans thing and I sent Mitch a scene <laughs> that mm-hmm. I wrote in the film and it's about how dumb, how little uh, women's jean pockets are. Right. That's a scene in the film. Now and you then... need to add a part where she's carrying around bird's bird feet. <laughs> <in her> <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, at least in the version I have right now, the intro is like him burning his scalp when he's straining his hair yeah uh, that was many, a problem many times. i, I yeah. did the same thing man like it was a it was a fight yeah it was i remember like i would have my mom had like the the mirror that i could do the back and my hair was always mm-hmm. like perfectly perfectly mm-hmm. straight i would strain it and then i would start like layering it and like hairspray and man my hair is ridiculous it was crazy and it was always like three colors man i did the same thing dude we should have did each other's hair we should yeah. i actually um do you remember the agony scene their one mm-hmm. music video their lead singer had like just the front of his hair like just like bleached red mm-hmm. so i, I went and i had that too yeah i went and got it and it was like i'm so metal yep <laughs> i had the same thing I, my mom was a hairdresser so it was always like see you're lucky i had to learn all this shit by myself and this was like pre-looking it up on youtube i just had to figure it out yeah you could always tell which kids did it themselves yeah. No, I'm not saying about you. I oh, I was a low saying. rent emo. There we go. <laughs> but no, yeah, I'm just, I had I, a stylist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, but there was like the ones that you could just tell. It's just like, oh man, that did not work out the way that you planned it to. Yeah. Because this was like my Shopper hair right Drug now. <laughs> no, your hair looks great. <laughs> you're you're full on Joker mode. I love it. Hell yeah! You can uh, catch me in Joker too. <laughs> exactly. The Rusical. Uh, the musical. <laughs> what, what were your bands from that era oh man definitely callahan uh like dylan had mentioned devil wears prada that was huge a trail until they started getting weird uh, i yeah like i fell I off like two albums by me too the first two uh, I, actually the the third one with x's and o's was death grip good. on yesterday the only yeah. problem was it was only oh, nine that's, songs that's the second one i'm talking about Oh, so you're not even talking about suicide notes and butterfly kisses? Come on. No, I'm talking about that too. What's the (laughs) third curse? The curse. The curse is the best one. Then I listen to three. Yeah. Yeah. I think I turned uh, suicide and the curse into one album. Yeah. Okay. Because the the riding the bull one, I was was like, hell no. Hell no. 
Um, yeah. Oh, Protest the Hero. Yeah. Uh, Kingdoms. Kingdoms is so sick. I love that band. Then they always, yeah. they played uh, Mass Fest the one year. You can watch them live on my YouTube channel. Oh, there you go. You they... can watch them in our last days as kids. If you did, you have the whole set list on there. I recorded the whole set, but I think I only uploaded like a song. Okay, because I remember they did a Rage Against the Machine cover because I got a concussion during that, but I never saw a video of it. Man, it's on some sort of broken hard drive somewhere. Someone did a front flip and kicked me in the face, and it was Man. just over from there. Do you remember it? <laughs> After that, no. <laughs> uh, concussion jokes. Yeah, man, that was, that was a, it's weird because I feel like, so I know I'm, am I two years older than you, Boozy, or am I one year? I think I'm two years older. So You're I, 35. I'm 30. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> no, but. Hey, also fuck off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but, uh, yeah, like, because my, my, like, MySpace days started before all that stuff, and then I obviously grew into it. Like, it was a game changer when bands like Means and Straight Reads the Line came out. Mm-hmm. Oh, Means um, was so stra- good. And Straight Reads the Line is still, like, probably my favorite out of all of them, but, like, a textbook tragedy, mm-hmm. the Holly Springs disaster, who was a Saskatchewan band at the time um mm-hmm. that that was like a huge game changer but before that i was all about like alexa like the myspace era i was like alexis on fire census fail armor for sleep boys night out the only band that like is still well, i guess they're all actually oh god that's the, i don't know if that's depressing or that's awesome that i'm looking at my list now and i'm like oh i still listen to all of these bands and even their new albums like their new albums are really good uh but like yeah census fail funeral for a friend i think it helped is that we started finding bands that actually would come here because a lot of Mm -hmm. bands we listen to just never because we're a small market we're not even a b market we're like a c market for bands to come anywhere near us yeah no it's true uh but yeah this this is clearly like it was a super important part of like all of our youths uh Mm -hmm. the terror table here and if kyle was here who's one of the producers on the project he would he would echo the same things but um we're we're planning our triumphant return for kyle um so that we can tar and feather him in front of everyone on on the right place we're gonna need a lot of tar because that dumper is just yeah that butt massive. is just out of control <laughs> how many times do you mention his butt a show oh it's, if you honestly, mention kyle you have to yeah, mention his butt exactly honestly probably even more since he's been off yeah. the show <laughs> they go they go cheek and cheek oh man love it boozy good work um dylan where's all this money going to like all this uh the money that we're asking on the on the kickstarter if you can contribute funds uh like i know we're currently setting out for the goal is fifty thousand dollars to really get this done but through kickstarter you just put it up to thirty thousand dollars uh why is that and why do we need 30 grand to to even do the base version of this uh, yeah, so like you said before, it's going to be like roughly 30 minutes. Uh, it's a really ambitious project. Uh, we're trying to recreate shows. It's a period piece. So like we need extras. We need to dye kids hair. We need to like grime up venues and locations and make it all feel the way that this movie needs to feel and, and needs to make the audience feel um on kickstarter we are raising 30 grand that's not our whole budget like i'm putting i've been saving up money we're trying to get some investors in line uh 50k is like the bare minimum to make this 30 minute piece um and obviously if we get more uh funding we're just going to expand upon what we can do um but it's just yeah it's like paying our incredible cast our incredible crew we have like 
10 to 12 people already lined up crew wise and they're all mm-hmm. like very talented but when you have talented people it adds up money <laughs> like yeah. that you need to pay them you need to pay them so that they can do what they do and not only do you need to pay them you need to give them money so that they can do their best job like for yeah. set deck you don't just pay a set deck artist their rate you pay them and supply them with money so they can actually pay for the things that they're putting on yeah the they need to go out and find everything that's going to build this world that you're trying to make and yeah something that a lot of people like which is one of the beautiful things about film in general is that most people who are watching them they don't think about the stuff that's going on behind the camera which is you know obviously a good thing that's part of the movie magic but you don't ju- you, like there's no movie that is worth your salt that you could just look at and be like oh the the director just went and decorated every single one of these rooms and mm-hmm. you know like all these people like the, it's impossible to try and do a 30 minute short film and have people take time away from their paid jobs or their families um like you know people they got to live and well art, exactly yeah art's and, important and, yeah and like there's so many components like we're getting uh original an original score for the film but we're also getting uh other guys to write the music that the bands are playing in the film so it's like there's an extra cost that most films don't have and you know like the lighting is really important to me the set design the the camera work like it's it's all really important and especially like the actors so it's just like there are hundreds of things we need to pay for and I definitely there's no way with the the line of work that I do that I could ever afford to put aside 50k on my own um and as an artist I'm like well I just need to like try to pursue this and make this happen because I've been wanting to do this for 10 years and uh me and our producers and Mitch is one of them we looked at kind of what would be reasonable to make this super ambitious thing I want to make and 50k is kind of the the baseline of where we landed yeah can confirm uh so yeah any and all contributions that are sent towards the kickstarter you can go to the kickstarter.com slash our last day as kids and you can watch there's a five minute um campaign video that will detail all of the fun things that dylan and the crew intend on on pulling off with this film uh it's really going to be an awesome awesome experience and definitely like it's going to be something that's going to put a lot of people's past on the map uh, it's going to be really cool to be able to see it all come together. And the, the, the possibilities are endless with something like this, the, but the, you really just need to have a community rally behind you. So if you are someone who contributed to my film, which I, I can't thank you enough for contributing to the Druid's Hand, um, you have no idea how much that means to me. And we will shortly be talking about our first public screening, which was uh, in, our, in our hometown, Saskatoon. Um, but that wouldn't have happened if people didn't you know dip into their pockets and help us out and uh, i know it seems like kind of douchey to be like asking for money once again but it's not i'm not asking for money for myself i'm asking for money for this project i'm asking for people to share it uh so that we can bring projects like this to that province that you know kind of forced my hand with me if i ever wanted to do this for a living and i'm not as gifted as dylan as someone who can like go and just make music videos and corporate videos like I don't have that option um it it just it makes the world a difference if you can even just share the page with your friends and family you have no idea how far that goes uh but Dylan is there anything else you want to talk about regarding the project before we move on to the regular part of the show 
Yeah, not like not too much. Like honestly, it's just like every donation goes a long way. Like uh for ten dollars you get your name in the film. That's it's a pretty cool thing to see your name up there. And the film isn't just for me. Like, I think it's really going to be powerful for a lot of people. It's about putting people that, like, were in the crowds at local shows who made the scene what it is to see them on screen. Like, yeah. yes, I'm channeling, like, my own youth and my own perspective and stuff, but it's it's about the bands that, like, tried to make it and couldn't, and they still had impact. They were still important. Yeah. And all the kids that supported them and stuff. And, and I think it's going to be cool for a lot of people who grew up in the scene, but a lot of the kids that feel maybe a little bit weird now like it's still happening this never leaves there's always going to be that like outcast scene and this film is just kind of painting a portrait of one that was very specific to us yeah absolutely boozy any last thoughts before we uh, move on yeah i just want to say that it's really important to donate to these kind of things to get it going and to have that community like like mitch said uh if you're not as talented as dylan there's not a lot out there yeah and uh just going on from that one of the many perks you can also have besides having your name up there is um if you donate any amount uh you are given one complimentary call from either mitch or dylan uh where they will wish you a nice evening so if you call them they can call you closer to your bedtime and that the, sounds awful you can say good night to them it's it's simple it's a nice gesture you can record it and play it to yourself after if you want you know what i'll honor this if someone if someone wants to contribute to the project i'll make sure someone does it too i'll send you a, a good night smooch good night yeah just like that yeah just call unknown number good so, night. so creepy for a thousand dollars i'll do a full hour-long asmr video there we go Ooh. there we go just awesome. eating a watermelon or just like <laughs> no, no don't, don't eat that <laughs> all right guys well do you guys want to head on to what we've been up to and what we've been seeing in the horror realm yeah. Lizzie, do you want to lead us off or should i lead us off with like just get we, well, we are... you know, we, we, we've seen a lot of the same things, but we really have to just acknowledge first off that the, you know, uh, Druid's Hand did premiere at the Dark Bridges Film Festival for our first year. So we had all those films going on. So Mitch, how is it for you? Because this is, this is what the people are here to find out. This is post premiere. This is PP. Yeah. No, not it, BP. It was absolutely <laughs> surreal. It's crazy. It feels weird to talk about even um, just thinking back on it. We, yeah, we premiered at the Broadway Theater on June 3rd, uh, and it was in front of 430 people in a sold out crowd, which was just absolutely insane. Something that, you know, I was even thinking about today while preparing for this is, you know, if we think back to five years ago when we started the terror table, I could have never imagined that I would be in that position that something cool like that would happen. And um, yeah, it was just made all the more special being in the middle of the Dark Bridges Film Festival, which was the festival that like showed me the films that have inspired me to want to make my own films like Green Room, uh, films like The Babadook, like there's some of like the most memorable horror films uh, that I can think of over the last decade are from that festival. So I just want to personally thank if they're listening, John Allison, Jeff Drake and Scott Hamilton and everyone at the Broadway mm -hmm. Theater that was an absolutely surreal day one that i will never ever forget and i'm just i'm so proud of the cast and crew and it was super special being able to celebrate it next to both of you 
because uh, obviously I had mentioned that Dylan was the director of photography on the film and Boozy was working in the grip and lighting department on the film. And it was just, uh, it was really surreal being able to see that. And it is my great honor to officially announce for the first time on air that we were accepted into the Portland Horror Film Festival. Hey. Yeah, and this is, sick. it's a big deal for me. Portland. I didn't think that was going to happen. Um, and I'm not, not because I don't believe in the film. It's just, you know, it's something so surreal. I've been listening to podcasts and uh, following their festival, like, and listening to those podcasts where they would mention some of my favorite independent horror films being shown there. It's just so cool knowing that what we created together last summer in Alvina, Saskatchewan is going to make its way to Portland, Oregon uh, at the Hollywood Theater. And that's just insane to me. So I'm very, very proud, very humbled and just anxious to keep making more movies. And Dylan's film is next on, next online. It's uh, one that we plan on. I plan on putting everything that I have into it uh, to help Dylan make his vision come true and uh no i i just feel like i'm rambling now but it was it was insane that was an incredible night so thank you so much to everyone who came out and i hope you guys had fun oh it was great yeah it was I, amazing it, it i was like... a little worried that there for a second uh they weren't calling dylan's name or sorry not dylan uh, they weren't calling Derek's name and i was i was stuck <laughs> in there i was like i'm not leaving him behind it was my uh band of brothers moment <laughs> it was a good moment yeah it was crazy like it like it's the first time i've seen that many people since the pandemic Mm -hmm. and it was all to watch local saskatchewan filmmaking and like something that you know you always talk about like you're watching the justice league and just (laughs) that's what gave you the motivation of like oh yeah i can make a movie and you took that inspiration that normally would be just like a dumb thing said by two drunk people watching a bad movie and you turned into reality. You did the Kickstarter, you succeeded, you went and wrote the film, you went and shot the film, you succeeded, you premiered the film and it was a huge success. And I'm so, so, so proud of what you achieved, Mitch. And it, and I've told you this many times, but it's like the exact reason why this year I've, started the kickstarter and why i'm like oh man i need to finally do this because it's like you prove that like if you just actually set out to do something you'll be shocked at what happens yeah no thanks man i appreciate that it's yeah no it's crazy it's just you gotta just do the damn thing just gotta get out there and do it and uh we're living proof of that of dumbasses like jesse Sowitsky and i uh can have that reach you know obviously like you know playing it down a little bit we were we did work really hard on it but it it was something that's the most proud i've ever been in my life about anything and it's the most proud i've ever seen my dad of me so (laughs) that goes a long way because boozy and i've been making jokes about that since the beginning oh man i have some good uh screen captures of text messages (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no that was that was incredible and yeah so if you're still interested in keeping up to date with that and you don't for some reason follow the druid's hand on instagram facebook and twitter and we'll be announcing we you know we've submitted to i think a little over 15 film festivals and portland was the first one to respond so uh still plenty to go yeah uh, and that's like uh, i i know it sounds weird to say this and i hope other film festivals aren't listening but like portland was a very very big one for me um so it's like i know just how important that festival is in the in the horoscope and uh it's just it's one that's been on my radar forever so uh, it's very very cool 
um, question for you for you mitch um yeah. can we make a porn version of the druid's hand and <laughs> call it the druid's hand job yes i like the way <laughs> like what you're thinking here, Pussy. We're actually going into production next week, so <laughs> that's actually what all of the funding for our last day as kids is going towards. Psych, <laughs> we're making a porno. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, yeah, the possibilities are endless. You got the Druid's hand, the Druid's or the Druid's hand job. Um, yeah, I guess yeah, that's actually all the... those possibilities. Yeah, all those <laughs> yeah, other possibilities. I guess that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like who was. I think it was jason who wanted to do the druid's hand 2 goes to hawaii <laughs> <laughs> the druid's hand 2 electric boogaloo yeah <laughs> but yeah no thank you so much that was amazing and if you want to see it in your city or anywhere near you please send us feel free to send a message to the terror table or on the druid's hand let us know where you're at uh if there's a festival near you that might be interested in showing it um or we might you know just stand a chance at submitting uh we'll definitely entertain that because we want to get I'm, I really, it'd be cool to show this to listeners around the world who I keep in touch with that, you know, would stand, simply could not have been in Saskatoon. Saskatchewan yeah, for some reason it. didn't turn up for it. So yeah. fuck you guys, first of exactly. all. Exactly. Fuck all you. <laughs> <laughs> you don't support me or my art. <laughs> um, all right. So that's out of the way. Now, who let, let's split it up a little bit here. Dylan, have you seen anything recently you want to chat about? Not like horror wise. So I don't know if that is applicable. Just just Chippendale, right? Chippendale. Yeah, I guess you could call that horror, especially those shots of Sonic. Uh, yeah. Um, movie of the year, I'm going to say. Honestly, the Chippendale movie is way better than it should be. And I, I like actually legit enjoyed that movie. Um, oh, yeah. And it is just like a Roger Rabbit, too. Like, yeah. It, but, it, blew, it blew my mind. Yeah. And when's the last time you've seen Roger Rabbit? um a year year two oh, okay ago. like that movie holds up so well like it's mm-hmm. so fucking good uh mm-hmm. no yeah Ch- i just watched chippendale last night as well and good god is that enjoyable that was probably my favorite horror movie that one yeah well i know yeah. i'll give you a pass i want to actually hear your thoughts on dinner in america yeah i watched dinner in america a few days ago i think i texted you when i was watching yep. it because mitch was like you have to watch this movie um yeah it was great it was uh i was a little iffy at first when, uh me and uh my wife Brittany was watching it and uh or it's we're repulsive watching. yeah holding yeah, hands the whole time me and Brittany. no we're... that's not i wasn't <laughs> saying that that's repulsive i'm saying that like the opening like that was a movie that when we showed it at the festival we were worried about how people were going to react the first little bit because it's just very repulsive and gross and like mean-spirited yeah, like it just felt like a very mean movie, and it was like, oh, this is a, a main character, which is not always like a bad thing. You can have main characters that aren't good people. Yeah. Uh, but he was just, yeah, a shitbag the whole time. And then randomly, the movie kind of pivots, and it has a lot of heart, and he grows a lot. And it's like a really beautiful movie. There's only yeah. like, like, other than it takes a while to like fully invest yourself in because of how shitty he is the only thing i didn't like in that movie is that like he himself doesn't feel super authentic to me like he feels like a guy like pretending to be a punk guy like he almost has like a batman voice for some of it yeah that was the one part that bugged me which is like the one thing that i feel like green room gets so right is that like 
a lot of times like kids that go to shows and whatever like they're just regular people but a lot of times they try to portray them as like so overly brooding and tough and like a caricature of what punk and scene and whatever is yeah and i would i would debate that that's one of the film's strengths too is because he takes himself so seriously right and like that is something but it it does make it hard to buy into because you're just I know exactly how you feel. And I remember feeling that way. But then it was like, once you start finding out who he actually is For and sure. like when he's at the table with his family, uh, it's like yeah. everything just comes to head. And, yeah, and I, I guess it. it is supposed to be like comedic too. Like it isn't yeah, it's a black taking comedy. itself so seriously. Yeah. So that is like something in its favor, but it was something that was like, especially in the beginning was like hard to swallow. Cause I was like, is he just a bad actor or is this like <laughs> the point? Yeah. And it is, it's, he, that is the point. Yeah. yeah. He's, yeah, that's Kyle Gallner, who's like the kid for, he's the token emo kid from Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Uh, oh, really? The, yeah, he was in the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. He was in the new Scream uh, briefly. He was in Jennifer's Body and The Haunting in Connecticut, where he plays like the same character in all those movies. Nice. Yeah. So, Dinner in America, well, I'm happy to hear that you enjoyed I did, it. Yeah, I did really like it. will be buying yeah it's a great great film it's available on arrow video if anyone's out there and wanting to take a look at it boozy do you want to talk about something you've seen yeah let's talk a little bit about something that we went on a date together to which one so we went we were like hey i love david cronenberg so we went to the theater so we yeah we went and saw the new david cronenberg film which you know boozy and i were on cbc radio uh the day of the the screening and we were talking about horror films and uh what we love about them what we don't like about them and uh the ones that really stand out and a big part of the conversation was david cronenberg because he had this new film coming out crimes of the future and i had said this is my star wars this year and what i mean by that is like it's the movie that i most amped up for like you imagine how people are when there's a new star wars film when i hear there's a new david cronenberg horror movie out that's going to be number one on my list uh so very very excited to see it and yeah boozy i think you and i were probably pretty similar on our feelings which is a little upsetting it uh it left me a little cold Uh, underwhelming is a strong is a strong feeling i had i i it's it's tough when you finish watching because i feel like we all had this when we finished watching it we said what the fuck but not in a way where like a, a happy Cronenberg way, like what the fuck did I yeah. just watch? It was more like, what were they trying to yeah. give us exactly? And I felt that it was, it did the worst thing for me where it makes me feel dumb. <laughs> I was like, am I just too dumb for this movie? Like, do I not get it? Uh, and then, you know, I dig a little on online and just start wanting to see what people are thinking, what people are saying. And mm-hmm. it's like, Oh no, it just, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the ideas just didn't really translate for a lot of people, myself included. Um, I, th- I think it had a, a cool idea. It just wasn't very impactful overall. Yeah. Like the the whole underground scene and everything in this like exotic art. I don't want to give a ton away for people who haven't seen it, but just kind of the extremes that they show in that versus what the character goes through and, and the kind of mundane story we get out of that. 
Yeah. Yeah. It just, I don't, it's one of those things where you hear so much about all of the walkouts and people are, people are leaving the theater because it's so gross. And it's within like, the first 10 minutes, it's like I was waiting. What, yeah, for what? They're, they're leaving because they're bored, not because it's gross, <laughs> because the movie, um, you know, it, it's one of those things too, though. It's like, am I just that desensitized where, because like none, none of it was bothersome to me at all, but mm-hmm. I know that I'm not the best gauge for that because. I'm a guy who falls asleep to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, so I'm sure it will offend, it'll bother some people. Um, we had a walkout. We had two walkouts mm-hmm. during our our viewing, but I I think nothing theirs happened was, at that point. Yeah, I think theirs was just out of actual boredom. Yeah, yeah. And here's the thing too: is I do not think it was a bad movie. I think the cast was great. The setting is Kristen at times Stewart beautiful. was amazing. Yeah, Kristen Stewart's so good. Uh, Leah Sado is amazing. Vigo mm-hmm. Mortensen, of course. Scott Speedman, a guy that we don't see enough of. Like he's just a very solid actor and. He was great in this film. He always feels like he just has bit pieces. I want so much more from him. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, But yeah, and like there's there are moments of it that felt mesmerizing, uh, but they just never reached the peaks that I was anticipating for them. And it just it it didn't fully pay off for me. It's one that I think I'll probably enjoy more on a second viewing, but I just have no desire to watch it again for a long like the foreseeable future. I just I just don't care. So Um, you wouldn't recommend so I shouldn't check it out. Well, I'd say check it out when when it hits streaming. Um, you know, fuck. Th- th- yeah, go check. See, that's uh, I feel obligated to tell, like, almost lie to people and tell them go see Crimes of the Future because I want more David Cronenberg movies. Because um, just because this one didn't land for me entirely doesn't mean that I don't love most of his catalog. Yeah. Uh, but it, so it's one of those things where I like go support it because it's a unique vision. It's it's and I know there are a lot of people out there who really do like it. Um, so don't take my like I certainly don't think it's a bad movie. It just it left me cold, uh, so cold sure. that I had to go and see Top Gun the next night. And oh boy, that was fucking awesome. <laughs> did did <laughs> Tom fly around and Tom smile? Did Tom Cruise things and the smile. I flew. Tom Cruise is in that film. (laughs) (laughs) It is so good. Is he the toughest gun? He's the toughest one. Yeah, baby. Uh, Mitch, let's talk about another movie that we've both watched. Not together, separately. But we both... Well, other than Chippendale. We did talk about that one already. Uh, Another film from 2022. uh, Sharkbait. Oh, yes. Yes, I I feel like I I a little bit got you to watch this. I don't know if you're planning to or... You 100% got me to watch it. Okay. Um, and this is a movie that Dylan would love. Are you looking up Shark Bait? I'm on IMDb right now. Yes. Another uh, kids movie came out with the same name just recently. So Shark it's like Bait. flooded. Ooh, yeah, it's like sh- like flooded the thing for it. Is it a Finding Nemo like spinoff? Oh man, See, that IMDb the other poster one. is wild. Terror runs deep. I love, oh yeah, because I looked up uh, reviews for this thing where it's like, there is not one woman in a red bikini in this film. <laughs> like on the cover, it's like, yeah, but whatever. Yeah, Apparently like, the original title is Jet Ski. Which would have been fitting. Title, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Boozy, this is, you know, Boozy and I are suckers for, you know, even the schlockiest shark movies. It's just in our blood, we like shark films. And what did you think of this one? I thought it was pretty solid. And once again, we have to go on that sliding scale of what a shark movie is and, and what yeah. you can tolerate. 
but there there is some actual really good stuff in here there's one particular scene i had spoke with mitch about that is yeah. actually kind of terrifying that was the is, standout scene for me as well i know which one we're talking about like it's one particular it's a dragging scene yeah, yeah. um shark, there's, does, shark does something kind of cool that we don't see all the time yeah so like, and i i think once in a while not not every scene but like overall i think the shark looks fairly good yep. and it's a very small concept but they do some some really cool stuff there's some stuff at night that that i thought was pretty cool that was kind of like almost like an homage to jaws in a weird way I'd oh the jaws homages. yeah there there's a few of them in there too and like it's yeah. kind of like you're obligated to do that if you're going to make a shark film. yeah and and i felt like it was pretty solid and straightforward and i just have to say on like the, a note that kind of brought it down a bit for me was just a really weird wacky ending that was very anticlimactic um yeah. So it was very nonsensical. It felt like thrown together. But other than that, I feel like there's some good, really good standout scenes in this I like. So if you're really into shark movies, I would honestly say give it a check. Like, check that out. Yeah, like with that heavy caveat. How, how do you feel about it? I, I agree with that heavy caveat that you need to know. Like, if you're one of those people like us who just generally likes shark movies and can enjoy the schlocky nature of them and how silly they can be, this one is no exception to that. Like it's definitely silly, um, but it's I've seen much worse recently. <laughs> and uh-huh. uh, you know these shark movies. Like there's just certain people out there, and I know we have a lot of listeners that are are like us that we will just watch anything with a shark in it. And you know we get burned a lot. And this one at least has a couple moments that that were fun, fun enough. It was worth it. Yeah. It. Yeah. I, like I didn't know there was more than one shark movie. <laughs> There is you would you would not believe. Oh yeah, you uh, actually. If you want to come over and yeah. watch shark movies with me, let's go. Oh god, oh, yeah. I yeah, do this... know of. There's a movie called Shark Attack Three um, that I've seen scenes from on YouTube, and uh, <laughs> is that the one? I think that's the Megalodon one. Yeah, yeah, that's the Megalodon one. Yeah, yeah, has yeah, a... iconic lines. Yeah, see that predates the Meg. The Meg actually stole that idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and see, Good I even. One. I even kind of like Jason Statham shark. Yeah, yeah, and even I didn't hate that movie. (laughs) You love all sharks. That's the thing. I'm a fin. I'm a finny boy. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, it's like I don't know if you're a fan of like the reef or you know we recently talked about Blackwater. Um, those types of survival horror movies where you know a group of uh, it's just (laughs) morons. They're all morons. A group of morons. A group of morons is getting circled by some kind of uh, natural beast. Uh, then this might be your thing. Give it a look. Uh, cool. Do you guys have anything else you want to mention? I'm I'm trying to blank because there's one that I watched, but I want to wait to talk about it because I know we're gonna have Jason Hamill on to talk about it at some point. But I watched Deer Skin. Yes, he was telling me to watch that last night. I can't wait to talk about that movie. <laughs> Spoiler: I loved it. I have two things left to talk about. So uh, the first one, I got to figure out what year this is. So the first one I want to talk about is Blood Rage from 1987, mm-hmm. which is a slasher film. Uh, I recently checked out, I believe it is on Tubi, yep, which like is. our main feature is also on Tubi. Green Room's on Tubi. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, it sure is. It's weird, though. It's at the bottom. Like if you type in just green you have to actually scroll to the bottom yeah. and it's, well, there, it's a good is, movie so it's tough to find they, they want to really bury it in there yeah <laughs> um anyway blood rage is about uh a, an evil twin that goes on a rampage <laughs> murder spree and has like the driest sense of humor 
and it's great it's violent it's it's funny your main character for so many 80s movies where your killer was either like a ripoff of michael myers or you know jason this has a killer who's just out in the open making jokes it's it's honest it feels in a weird way like ahead of its time or just kind of a forgotten gem of this time but i i loved this movie i, th- I think uh if you like that uh 80s slasher kind of stuff this is a, a higher quality one I, I don't know it's on kind of like the same level as like a sleepaway camp in a fun yeah. way yeah. um and then the other one i i would be remiss not to mention uh i watched morbius <laughs> okay i knew this was happening <laughs> i knew this was happening <laughs> Yeah, I watched it too. <laughs> I don't think that, Did you actually? that people are overdoing it when they shit on this. It's <laughs> it's genuinely that bad. I'm not try- <laughs> I'm not trying to be over the top. It it is just it makes no sense. It's it's stupid. Jared Leto's an asshole. Nobody's likable <laughs> in this. Why yeah. do you like more shark movies or vampire movies? Ooh, sharks, sharks. And sharks. what's just funny because there's more better vampire movies than shark movies, but. We need shark people movies. That's why. Mm-hmm. That's why we got Aquaman. Mm-hmm. And, and Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Yes. Street Sharks? Need oh. a street or whatever, or whatever mm-hmm. they're replacing Amber Heard with in Aquaman. <laughs> Some sort of shark guy. Shark Replace guy. her with Morbius. Um, yeah, Morbius. Oh, that'd be sick. Anyway, I, I want to say that they make a reference. I, I know I keep talking about They made a reference to the notebook in that movie. <laughs> that that like as as in like don't get all like notebook on me so that means that it's like in their lexicon of of you know uh social media uh, consciousness which means that uh oh god ryan gosling exists which means ryan gosling is in the morbiverse which means that ryan gosling has also starred in blade runner 2049 with jared leto so jared leto exists in his own morbiverse Mm -hmm. oh wow (laughs) it's just like why did you have to say that yeah that's sorry that's just my two cents what was Uh, your favorite part about morbius when he just started morbin everybody (laughs) when he he says it's morbin time i morbed everywhere i couldn't believe he actually said that (laughs) anyway i i think the the best uh thing that ever happened is making that film bomb twice we did it everybody i love how people are trying to get it to happen again (laughs) We were all busy that weekend. <laughs> I yep. never got to see it, unfortunately. So There's still time. It's, it still exists. I'm a wife? You're a huge Jared Leto fan, too. I don't, I don't mind Jared Leto. So, no, me, me and you talked about this. And Kyle, he tried canceling Jared Leto on a cancellation corner. And now I'm on, I'm, I back him hard. Um, <laughs> but it's because, like Dylan and I, we both love like the older uh, Leto films like requiem for a dream like he's amazing Hell yeah you he's not like a lot of them he's not the most main character so like his bit roles have always been really good it's just yeah he's a shitty person he's a shitty person but he's a good he, he is a good actor but holy fuck is he not and morbius but he also it was morbius like i remember when they announced that they were making a morbius movie like what I'm is not, morbius he's a vampire he's, <laughs> he's a, a vampire doctor who fights his best friend in spider-man in, like, in spider-man's universe yeah like i remember so the random. 90s spider-man animated series uh like i w- there was a couple morbius episodes that i loved like i was super into morbius as a kid but i <laughs> i know it's ridiculous but I, I remember like when they announced that they're making a morbius movie i'm like what the fuck are they thinking like there's no way this is going to be good and then it 
they and sure enough it's Jared awful. Leto the fun the best part about it well besides all of the memes is the poster <laughs> to me that's like one of the worst movie posters I've ever seen in my life it gets so funny <laughs> with a half Morbo face <laughs> just who was asking for that movie like this is why you need a the morb heads obviously this is why you need to donate to our kickstarter because there's more need for our film to exist than morbius and if you contribute enough morbius will make an appearance in our last day's kids there you he, go he'd probably fit better in our film than he will in in morbius in whatever spider-man universe that doesn't really exist that they're shoehorning yeah. him into do you, yep. I I heard they like edited out scenes from Spider-Man that were in the film. Like there were like teasers of Spider-Man and stuff, and now it's been edited out. Is that true? Oh, I didn't even end up making it to the post-credit scene, but I know that they tie it in with uh they tie it in with um fucking Vulture from Homecoming. Which who, also yeah, who, doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't. Who is in all. the who is in the post-credit scene? Michael Keaton. I was live tweeting that and I was like, I looked at the IMDb. Michael Keaton's supposed to be in it. Where's Michael Keaton? And then <laughs> yeah. I turned it off before. Like, I'm not aware that you have to watch the credits of every Marvel movie. Oh, like, yeah, baby. You gotta or watch the Sony credits. or whatever the You fuck. gotta watch the after credits for everything. Did you see the after credits for Druid's Hand? Oh, man. That's my favorite part. I was there the whole time. <laughs> We're gonna have a sick after credits scene for our last day as kids. That's actually where most of the budget's going. Yes, absolutely. Just going to be Gerard Way turning around. We're assembling a team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who would be the the Avengers team of like emo vocalists? Gerard Way. Gerard Way for sure. Just yeah. Gerard Way. Yeah. Just five Gerard Ways. Yeah. Which yeah. actually works for all their conceptual albums. Yeah. yeah. Pass him a Black Parade jacket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah, if I... you donate, Gerard Way will be in our film. It's official. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's official. Dylan, do you want to talk about your favorite possible horror movie you still don't know? Green Room? You still don't know is a horror movie? That I don't yeah. know. I didn't know we... Green Room was a horror movie. It's a horror thriller. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yes, Green Room is... Green Room's one of my favorite horror movies and one of my favorite movies in general. Awesome. And the, and the reason I want to talk about it is because the first 15 minutes of that movie are a huge influence on the film we're trying to make. Yes, absolutely. So we'll take a quick break and then we'll start talking about Green Room after this little tune or trailer. See you on the other side. Michael Morbius. You've been given a gift. Not exactly. Time to let go of what you used to be. Discover who you're meant to be. Okay, I'm with the Eight Rights from Washington, D.C. You guys are hard to find. Want to know social media presence? Music is shared live. It's time and aggression. You got to be there. Sorry, guys. We got to clear up. Follow me. And then it's over. Holy shit. I told you to follow Stop! You can't keep us here. You gotta let us go. We're not keeping you. You're just staying. We're so fucking dead, guys. What do we do? Oh, shit. 
This will be over soon, gentlemen. What are they doing? They're coming. We gotta go. And we die. How long can we wait? We're sure that is. Is that a pep talk? Let's grab some shit, get ready to run. Here we go. Welcome to the main feature presentation in which we're going to be talking about Green Room, which was released in 2015 and was written and directed by Jeremy Saulnier, uh, who also did films like Murder Party, Blue Ruin and Hold the Dark. Uh, so, yeah, this, uh, this, this let's, let's Hold just the get... Dark is definitely underrated. Can we just get that out of the way real quick? Yeah, I like Hold the Dark. Very cool movie. The Green Room is centered around a punk rock band that is forced to fight for survival after witnessing a murder at a neo-Nazi skinhead bar. Uh, like I said, this movie came out in 2015. Patrick Stewart, Anton Yelchin, rest in peace, Imogen Poots, Ali Shawkat, Joe Cole, Callum Turner. There's so many great actors in this film, including Macon Blair, who played the, the lead role in Jeremy Saulnier's Blue Ruin, which was a big... Blue Ruin was a massive influence on the Druid's hand. Dylan, tell us about how Green Room is a big influence on what you're doing now. Yeah, I I love Green Room. I saw it the first opportunity I could at the Broadway Theater. Um, and it blew my mind. And it blew my mind for various reasons. Like one, it's one of my favorite horror movies. I think it's like one of the best i've seen at doing like oh you're trapped in one space and every like shit just goes wrong uh that kind of horror film there's a a name for that what kind of horror film is that survival no but like getting trapped in a space isn't that a genre Mm, home invasion like uh, yeah no i feel like there's a a name for it nah whatever Uh, i'm not really a horror fan and yeah mitch hasn't seen many horror films no uh (laughs) that lowbrow horror shit yeah uh but uh what i love most about it is how authentically it portrays people in the punk scene and i'm not talking about all the nazi crazy stuff but But that too yeah well i i don't i've i don't think i've come across a lot of nazis in my life i I was gonna say we didn't have a a nazi (laughs) punk scene here i think we we yeah so i just feel like it really authentically captures like going to shows and like the kids who would go travel out and didn't have enough money to even like go to that venue and travel out and whatever. Um, they just captured like dumb, naive punk kids so well and yep. the underground scene. And like they set up so much in the beginning of the movie of like why they're the perfect people 
to get into a lot of trouble because they make a lot of bad choices because they're like too schooled to have like an online presence so yeah. no one knows where they are and i think that's hilarious um oh, it's just so good i yeah, love that's one written. of the that's one of the things that's like really pisses me off about the reception of this movie though is um even jeremy Salne has considered this a part of a trilogy of films uh that he calls the inept protagonist trilogy and yeah like he's talking about in blue ruin how dwight's not like a bright guy and he makes a lot of stupid decisions that get him into the situations that he's in and that seems to be one of the most common things that people talk about when they talk about green room and blue ruin is why are these characters so stupid and uh that really drives me crazy because especially in this case it's so clearly meant the point. to yeah yeah it's it's the exact point and i don't know um maybe i'm i don't know i just i'm really jealous and envious of people who are apparently they apparently surround themselves with rocket scientists who are <laughs> who are brilliant brilliant at all times and just transcend movie logic uh that really drives me crazy because it's like yeah this movie lives and dies off of that off of the, the these characters being dumb naive kids and i like you had mentioned the whole touch about them not having any online presence uh it's it's brilliant because that's yeah how that's like the point yeah. and how it is in the scene and there's so many people who like especially with shitty punk their... bands like this like this style of punk yeah. like yeah what uh the, what are your thoughts on green room generally i remember this was a big point of discussion when we started the terror table because uh i think because dylan and i saw it at a screening in 2015 at the broadway and then it wasn't released for another year. So it was mm -hmm. actually, I believe it was on your list in 2016. Yeah. And I, I remember the, the lead up to actually being able to watch it is just having like you constantly talk about it and how good it is. And also just the, the, the novelty, I guess, at the time. And I, a little bit of the novelty of it overall is Patrick Stewart being a villain. Uh, because you, you'd, mm. you'd think that it, it could turn out poorly. There are a lot of uh, characters who try and do like, more villain roles and and you usually see them as as dr. a hero michael so morbius like dr michael morbius so it's hard <laughs> to take him serious i think patrick stewart is an incredible villain overall just a very cunning um and and just overall yeah i i love this film in that uh, it's it's raw it's real it doesn't shy away from showing you a lot of the worst shit in terms of violence but also the worst shit in terms of people just yeah you know humans and what they'll do to each other and what extent and also what extent people will go to survive and and i like mm -hmm. i like the portrayal of that as these people being real as compared to that's that's one thing that that uh, is such a turnoff with with action movies and and all kinds of movies really is they they fall for these things where everything's so complacent and easy for all the characters like if if someone walked into your house and pointed a gun at you, you're not diving behind a couch and and kicking guns out of people's hands. Like it, I, I love that in this film, everybody acts how how you would. Yeah, except for the drummer who's a trained MMA fighter, which is right. a touch. That's a touch that I love about like the characters that he created for this film too, because that's such that's such a uh, trope in bands, especially as there's always the one tough guy. And I love how it was the drummer and he, he was, you know, taking every chance he could to put someone in a fucking arm bar. Um, yeah, it's, it's hilarious. Yeah, it's so funny that you say that, like, people have a problem with how dumb the characters are, because, like, and maybe I'm just dumb, but, like, We're all this dumb. is the one horror movie that I watch, and it was like, oh, that is, like, 
really how I would react in some of the scenarios to like how it all went down and stuff. And I feel like the way they set it up, like when you watch a lot of horror movies, you're expected to make dumb decisions. And sometimes I watch horror movies and I was like, ah, like a real person wouldn't make that Mm -hmm. decision or like they're going to all the wrong places in this movie. I don't feel like that's how it feels. I feel like they are trying to like think up their best plan. They're just ill-equipped to handle what's going on. And they talk about it in the movie when they talk about like the, the whole paintball story and everything like that. Like they're just throwing all the punches that they have, but they just, there's no reason for them to be like to succeed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, to me, it feels super authentic and it like legit feels like people I grew up with or people like some people I really liked and some people I really didn't like in the scene and stuff. And it's like, ah, I just, I love oh, that yeah. aspect. Of I, see, I, I see so many people that I know in these characters and like, you know, people that I, I really do care about. And then people who I'm like, oh, fuck, I would do, I would be so happy to never think of that person ever again. Um, but like, I know one moment that, you know, brings up this point of contention for a lot of people is how they decide to split up at one point. Um, and that to me is because like, that's like the number one horror trope of like, you split up, you die. Like, that's just what happens. Right. But you're in a fucking closed off bar filled with Nazis on all sides. What are you supposed to do? Yeah, and when it's... you have no time, you, you've, they've just established that they have no time to think. Um, and that's such an important part of the viscera that this movie you know really portrays and it is i love that boozy you even mentioned that too that it like doesn't shy away from showing you like some really brutal stuff like that's like part of the brilliance of the film too i know there's two different cuts like there's the director's cut and then the theatrical and i think the director's cut just has like a couple extra seconds of some of the violence but when you really when you watch this movie on repeat viewings you notice just how much they don't show you um Mm -hmm. but the thing is what they do show you is so brutal and so vicious and mm-hmm. it just gets stuck in your head because it's all real things like, you know, snapping of an arm or someone being cut open with like a box cutter or having their fucking necks mauled by dogs. Like, yeah, that one was a that was a rough one to watch. Oh, yeah. Um, it is so crazy. Like, I've talked to people who are like, oh, man, when I just when I think of that movie, I just think of like the dog mauling the guy and whatever. And then like Mitch, we talked about this movie semi recently and you were like talking about how like they really don't show that much. And I just watched it today to like really be aware of what we're talking about because uh, it's been a, a few years since I've seen it. And like they do not show that much. Yeah. They, they show like the result of things. Yeah. Like when Anton Yelchin gets his arm all fucked up, like that's to me the grossest stuff or like yeah. the box cutter he's cutting him open like butter. But like the dog mauling is so like it's all imagination. Yeah. Barely anything is happening. Well, it's, have a, a it's, all the, it's all the foley. I don't want to hear yeah. the shop shop flop as you're eating yeah. the guy's neck. Like. No, that's that's exactly that's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah. You know, um, this is kind of it's sort of off topic, but uh, I, I'm a big fan of the TV show The Boys, and season three is back right now. And in one of the episodes, they do a scene where they need to break someone's arm, and it's like that is one of the most like. They barely show anything and it's just the sounds and the anticipation of knowing that it's about to happen. It's that's what mm-hmm. makes it so effective. And green room succeeds at that better than so many films. I can like it comes to the top of top of my mind when I'm thinking about films that just evoke things from you. It's so subconsciously fucking with you. Uh, Cause even when uh, the drummer is holding 
the the big guy in an arm bar and he's like should i i'm gonna that's break such a I'm that's such a tense arm. moment while the door oh. scene's mm-hmm. happening and they're figuring out where the guns are that's cinema baby that's magic like just like the the hearing like all the little things that you know that they probably mm-hmm. weren't even doing on the set of like having characters outside the door like trying to break in and then you know act like cutting in between certain it's just brilliant i love it i'm just gonna start drooling. dylan do you feel like you enjoy this movie more because you get to see a bunch of nazis die because i feel like that always helps me feel better it, it's a perk you know like they always say uh the, <laughs> the only the only good nazi is a dead one yeah <laughs> i i love uh, and this just speaks to how like how they totally capture the punk energy but also how dumb these kids are is that they go to this nazi venue and then do a cover of nazi punks fuck off yeah yeah and to me that's like one of the best scenes and ah it's it's so funny and some of them it's so funny because i was watching it today and like a lot of them are angry but some of them are like kind of nodding along well it's it's pretty catchy (laughs) (laughs) yeah no it's just the way that's one of the things like a, a reason i'm a little sentimental towards this film too is because this movie came out just i think it would have been about a year and a half two years after dylan and i started hanging out really and best friend yeah exactly but i remember we like i always loved the idea of making movies but it seemed impossible to me like it just seemed like it couldn't be done and you were the first person that i knew like personally i would see your stuff online and then when we started hanging out and you were showing me your like showing me some you know just beginner stuff about using a camera and you had your original black magic design cinema camera still got it yeah and but the thing is one of the things i love so much about this movie and blue ruin which was you know obviously the one of the biggest reasons why i wanted you to shoot our film was i was like you can get this look like this cinematic look like it doesn't look like it was done on your iphone and it doesn't look like it was done on just any dslr like it's it really it's the mood and uh, Mm -hmm. the color the color grading in this film is just so so fucking good and especially when you yeah. have so many different vibrant things to work with, like the character's hair, like a, a, a funny story, actually, uh, this is going to the set of the Juritan and we were filming a scene <clears throat> where we were at the top of the stairs and we we're kind of revealing a creature moment at this time. And Dylan was like, do you want to add anything to like the, the environment? I'm like, no, like I want, like, I kind of like, like, I want it to be bare and clean. And then, uh, I was like, why? You, do you not think that looks good? He's like, well, no, that's my worst nightmare. I'm like, what do you mean? And then you were like, do you like the movie First Reformed? And I was like, I fucking love that movie. And you're like, see, I hate that movie. White background, like super boring. You're like, this is a worst nightmare for someone who's trying to make something look cool. And I love that, though, because it just shows like two very different styles that I love. Like, I love the minimalistic look of, of films like First Reformed. Um, but then obviously you get movies like green room. It's like, Oh, of course, this is so much more Dylan's thing. Like there's, there's things on every wall of the, uh, every wall has this grime and this grit to it. And the characters have it all as well. And it just makes it like, seem like just such a beautiful thing to shoot. The only, the, like to me, like film, like cinematography, especially is like, like, obviously everything has to be intentional, but it's like, lighting and shape and set deck like to make a nice image it's not just like oh point your camera at something a lot of it is set deck a lot of if you watch my work i like grit and like dirt and grime in my locations and like 
I yeah, I'm very attracted to like the punk world. Yeah. And I, I think I bring that into my filmmaking a little bit. Yeah. I love doing the Druid's Hand, but like when you bring me to an all white church that needs to look pitch black <laughs> with a burnt witch character to film, like to me that was like the hardest task ever. Like it was yeah. it was very hard. Um I feel like Green Room looks like what I am aiming towards in my filmmaking. And yeah. I'm not there yet, but like I feel like that's where I'm going i feel like the image like to me i think green room is like one of my favorite looking films in general honestly like i love this cinematography everything it's funny that it's called green room but like everything is green in that movie yeah. the night like the the street lights outside are green when it's just moonlight it's green the fluorescent tubes in the building are green the guy the the singer's hair is green like there's green all over this movie and it's such a cool aesthetic and grimy yeah. aesthetic and like oh man i love how that movie looks and like that's why for this movie like a big influence of what i'm going for for my short film is like that style what green room looks and feels like especially within like the 15 first minutes when it's just about like these punk teens that's what i want to kind of capture in my film yeah but also i love the druid's hand <laughs> yeah. and i don't hate first reformed first reformed lost me a little bit at that when he started floating over like the environment yeah. and all that stuff i kind of no, rolled fair. my eyes a little bit that's fair. but I, I enjoyed the movie yeah and i definitely spoke it up a, a little talked it up a little bit but i just remember that being a really funny funny moment because you're like <laughs> what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> and you, the spoiler alert, you did great. You got exactly what we I did wanted. Terrible. We wanted you did it. it. Yeah, you did it. But that was, and we were starting the film, but that was the part I struggled with the most. Yeah. Oh, from a lighting standpoint. Oh. It's hard. It's making something look dark while also making something that you can see is very challenging. And I, I noticed, I was watching it in Green Room, because there's this scene where she's just lit by the lighter and the cigarette and stuff, which is an awesome scene, but it's like, it's so hard to pull off, like, darkness. Yeah. Yeah, no, this this movie just, it has so many, so many beautiful independent filmmaking tricks and mm -hmm. in it, and it's it's just a marvel to look at. Do you like that maybe from Arrested Development is in this movie? That's so hilarious, but she's so sick in it. I never watched Arrested Development. Are you serious? No, yeah, it's like that seems like it was written. For that's you. what everyone says, and I'm not I just, gonna I, lie. She is. She was like a big crush back in the day. Is is nice. that that's not Imogen Poots, is it? No, no, that's the Aaliyah. The one who gets stabbed in the head. No, she gets attacked by no, a dog. the curly haired girl. She's oh, in the band. Oh yeah, 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 she's great. Yeah, she's so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no. I, I think it's it's even interesting down to Miss. You kind of mentioned about like the guy who gets his arm broken and later on they fuck him up. But the it, I don't know. It was even like the bouncer. Yeah, the security yeah. guy. Yeah. It, it's just kind of funny, even how they're like the conversations they're having with this dude, who's kind of a middleman in a weird way, because he's yeah. like less violent than some of the other ones. Yeah. No, you just yeah. don't know what they're truly capable of, because. Yeah, it's one of those classic situations where someone walk, they walk in to see something that they shouldn't be seeing. I was gonna say, I have a question about the end that I felt like it was going one way and it never does and always uh, confuses me is I always felt like that dog when it got away was gonna go after Macon Blair. No, I feel like the ending is perfect. Because it, it like tells you that the dog was never like, 
the problem. Yeah, no, yeah. no, it's, it's all the people. It's just it and felt it just like comes when it was... in cuddles with its dead owner, and you're just like, oh, that's yeah. what dogs are. Yeah, dogs are good boys. Pure. I I did like that part, but it it always felt like every time I see when the dogs walking on the road, it's like, oh, it should have found make on Blair and be one of those things where like the your your heroes let the guy go, but something else gets them. Yeah. Or you know what would have been sick is if like the movie kind of ended and then you had like a shot of a road or whatever and then it comes back to a dead dog and the dog sits up. <laughs> <laughs> and then says it's Mormon time. <laughs> <laughs> um I I think my favorite part of this movie is just like the characters though. Yeah. I feel like they just captured dumb punk teens and like not even like they don't all feel the same. They all feel authentic unique and like authentically like i can pick out like oh you're like that guy Mm -hmm. oh that's mitch because he's an idiot (laughs) stuff like that uh but uh, yeah i just love it and it's not even like it's not even just the punk teens even like like uh patrick stewart felt like this ballsy choice to have Mm -hmm, as this villain and he like has this heisenberg energy that he brings to the film that is so sick that like could you imagine if he played morbius You just gotta imagine if everyone played Morbius. I I have to say I really enjoy the uh, overall. This film is extremely fucking dark, but I just I love the ending of just figuring out who your Desert Island band, you know, who yeah. you would choose at the ending. It's just like shut the fuck up. Who cares? Like yeah. we've been through so much. You know what? Rewatching the movie, she was a little unkind and unfair to him because she says her Desert Island band like. 15 minutes before yeah while they're all they bring it up in the middle of the movie he still doesn't have and she's i think she says slayer and some other band i can't remember i can't remember um slayer and then she's like fuck you yeah the whole point was him getting to his desert island band uh this movie i i had never seen anton yelchin in anything that's wild movie and then i just became like a super fan because he is the most lovable punk kid and such a great actor everything in this film. he so did so yeah. sad yeah. that he's gone no that was a just soul crushing day when that happened like have you have you seen alpha dog now no you need you to see alpha it. dog like, yeah alpha dog is awesome like i don't care what anyone says that movie that was that movie was huge for me yeah um and it's all because of anton yelchin's performance too is that he's just that guy and the the same thing could be said about him in the fright night remake that we've talked about recently that's actually awesome and it's just because he's so likable he's so enjoyable he's so likable and yeah. like that's why when people say that like the characters were hateable and they were just annoying and made stupid decisions i'm like i didn't i feel like there's certain characters like that like i know they used tom hanks a lot for this in the 90s was mm-hmm. when they need when someone when a story demands you to care about someone and you don't know why they find these certain types of people like in actors like Anton Yelchin and Tom Hanks um, that just evoke that kind of they're endearing. Yeah, like very yeah. endearing yeah. and just likable in general. And it's it makes you just inherently root for them. I, I feel like just yeah, if we're just talking about Anton Yeltsin for a second, a lot of his roles, it's he there's a level of it's not just likability, it's it's believability. Like uh, Dylan, I, I do also implore you to check out Alpha Dog or anybody else yeah. watching this is his role is he's playing such a naive person and there's a naivety to his him just acting that and that's like that was yeah. one of his first he big has a roles. boyish charm yeah. there's something about yeah. him that you, you feel like you're almost like watching like this kid 
that you it's like it's like the like little brother you never had yep he he has an ugly cry an ugly cry like Mm -hmm. no one else that's like just so sad and heartbreaking like but now that you compared him to Tom Hanks, I kind of want to rewatch this movie picturing Tom Hanks as his character. <laughs> that would be kind of like, but Tom Hanks and Big or something like. Something <laughs> yeah. goofy. I just watched Big for the first time. Yeah, it's a fun movie from what I remember. It's been a long time. It made me feel big on the inside. Yeah, no, like, actually, there's some there's some weirdness to it that maybe doesn't hold up anymore in this. Uh, yeah, it's been a while. That's why I feel like I can't fully I can't fully comment on Big because it's been a long time since I've yeah. seen it, but yeah dylan i have to i have to ask you're talking about how much green room has influenced in terms of your filmmaking does that does that carry over kind of like how we were talking about the 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 violence of this because you have put some more violent imagery especially like working on the druitano as well and as well as some of your music videos like do you feel like that also has kind of not shaped but maybe like influenced how you how you make more graphic scenes that's a great question. I never thought of it. Uh, it would be a huge influence. I think if I were to make a horror film, mm-hmm. like this is the kind of like, anytime I think of myself doing horror or like violence or whatever, like even in an action film, like I'd want it to be that like visceral, like, holy crap, like, can you really like show this? And you're really not showing much, but right. the result of what you're showing is so effective and gross out. And uh, like, that's the stuff I like. Like I would say, yeah this is probably a huge influence Mm -hmm. on like because i want to do horror films in the future and stuff um of how i see horror and then the other side and you guys were talking about him earlier but like i love body horror Mm -hmm. so like cronenberg's style is like i i have a a horror film that i've been talking to mitch about for a very long time that i kind of want to do next after our last day as kids and it is like very much like a cronenberg style horror Mm -hmm. film yeah um, but yeah, I just love that like gross out body horror and like this film captures realistic violence in such a good way. Even those kids that like stab themselves to like oh, God. get the cops to go no. away yeah. is like holy crap. And it's doing it's nothing. Just... Like they they're just throwing their hand into each other's stomach and it's Mitch, all sound. No, no, but you know doing it again. No, but you... filmmaking. Stop it. Yeah, <laughs> quit peeling back the ogre did you, layers. Did you know no one got hurt in the making of this movie? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> yeah, no, none of the. Yeah, they're just all a bunch of big fat phonies. <laughs> I just, I really appreciate like how you're saying is they they show a little bit like I um at the end when Patrick Stewart has a shootout. I appreciate that they show the the actual bullet holes in oh, him yeah. or, or when it goes through his actual head, like stuff like that. Uh, yeah. As far cool. as yeah, going on from you know when we had coming up through film, it was a lot of just squibs and and weird shit exploding. Versus now when we're having so much more detail and you're getting that realistic, it, uh, like showing depictions of how people would actually get shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it just feels so raw and real. Mm-hmm. And if you grew up in any sort of, I know I'm not like punk punk, but if you grew up in any sort of music scene, like. I feel like this film feels really authentic and I don't know. I, I find them very endearing because they're just kids that don't know better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. No, it's a great film. Uh, love everything this guy does. Can't wait to see what he does next. Um, but let's close it off with a question to, to both of y'all desert Island band. Boozy. Now. Yeah. Oh, boozy first. Oh, it's it's Deftones. Catalog's deep enough that I can just I can live off of that. Nice, Dylan. I don't listen to music. 
the band I listen to the most is Pup. Yeah. So I probably go with Pup because I can like just I can put Pup on like. At okay, but what's your what's your one band that you've consistently listened to? Everybody has like my whole life. Like, Mitch's is obviously Lip Biscuit. Um, yeah, yeah, what's that Biscuit. band from like when you were like eight that you can still listen to now? And then some forty one. Okay, there we go. Some forty one's been a consistent in my life, but I like I haven't listened to all their albums. Like Chuck would be, it'd be like um, half hour of power till Chuck. Yeah, I could listen to that. Those are great awesome. albums. All great albums. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mine obviously Limp Bizkit or uh, Every Time I Die. But at the same time, like Every Time I Die is my favorite band. But would I want that? Oh, and only that for the rest of my life that yeah that's what i was thinking about it was yeah. like is that only sound yeah but the thing is they they have like you know it could have map change for the days i'm feeling sad that, or that's true but but the thing is they are mostly just an aggressive band and that's one of the best things about them um but yeah like i remember when this movie came out my answer was brand new <laughs> and <laughs> that just uh yeah and you know what still like the music if you just just like just you're just music. listening to the music yeah like brand new had, the... yeah like brand new in my eyes has never done like a really bad song um like they're one of those bands that when an album would come out i'd listen to it so much that i would find a different favorite song each day and like honestly their last album was just as good as their best in my opinion like it's it, it was very sad that the the lineage had to die the way that it did with um you know the reveal of jesse lacy being a huge piece of shit which wow that's such a surprise when you when you listen to his lyrics <laughs> um, it's like what this guy this guy's an asshole <laughs> i would have never guessed <laughs> but yeah uh okay cool well, i could see i could see mitch rocking out to limp biscuit on an island honestly. yeah like, ki- kind of like at the the start of uh castaway except you don't actively try to get anywhere you're just like I got limb on the island. Exactly. I got all I need I would, here, baby. <laughs> I would just do Chumbawamba tub humping. Yep. I just would, nonstop. I just had a conversation about that today. <laughs> it's so weird. About Chumbawamba? Yeah. <laughs> I, Tell us about your Chumbawamba. I actually can't share this conversation on air. <laughs> oh. It is oh a, a top secret Chumbawamba conversation. Yeah. Not it's for the fate Are heart. you booking... Are you working with Chumbo? They're scoring the Druid's Hand feature. <laughs> oh, that's sick. Hugh gets knocked so down, but he gets back you. up again. <laughs> <laughs> they, apparently they had other music. Yeah, who would have known? <laughs> who would have known? Dylan, where can everyone stare at you on the on the socials? Uh, you can find our project our last day as kids on facebook and instagram and me at versa films on facebook and instagram as well or go to our website versafilms.ca where you can see some of my work but uh yeah i know we we're all here to chat about my project thank you everyone for listening um if you can just tell someone about it or share it or if you do have like ten dollars or whatever to do- donate it goes a long way because we can only make it with your help and yep, support. It's true. Uh, awesome. Well, yeah, thanks again for joining us, Dylan. This has been a blast. And I can't wait to update our listeners with the ex- this exciting stuff moving forward. Um, and yeah, there's just lots of fun stuff in the future. So uh, thank you again for listening to the Terror Table. Boozy, is there anything you want to say before we let these little munchkins go to sleep? 
guys um it's not always morbid time but when it is you'll know there you go all right thanks so much for listening to the terror table we'll see you next time bye bye I accidentally said tub humping and it's tub Hub, humping. Uh, you know.